Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. All the days of your life, you are talking to no stranger to disappointment or trauma. Hello. And I confess before you that the goodness and mercy of God will follow me all the days of my life. And I proclaim it for you, church. God's mercy and his goodness is going to follow you all the days of your life. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we get to be in your presence this morning. We honor you, Jesus, for who you are. We worship you. We thank you for the word of God that's going to come forward today, that's going to bless our lives, feed us, shape us, change us, transition us, shift us, Lord. Lift us up and out of what we're going through. It's going to point the way. Lord God, I pray for your hand to be upon the service, for our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you're saying today. Whisper, Lord, quietly to us. Direct us. For we know your goodness and mercy is running after us, even now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Great to be with you this morning, church. Fantastic to be with you. Um, missed last week, had an amazing birthday, laying in bed on antibiotics. How fun was that, right? Um, and then uh, we've been planning our Wednesday nights in July for so long, and then I'm laying in bed wiped out on antibiotics. How fun was that? But I'll be back at it this Wednesday, and then I'm excited to preach next Sunday, so it's going to be a great week. Uh, but in the meantime, before we get started, would you do me a favor and thank our worship team for doing such an incredible job this morning, leading us into his presence. Incredible devotion and passion. And uh, do me a favor, shake somebody's hand. We're going to get started here in just a moment. Church, how are we today? I'm getting my voice back. It should be good to go Wednesday. And then I won't sound like I smoke two packs a day. Um, I'm excited about our summer track. We are in the middle of summer already. Can you believe it? Halfway gone. And part of our summer track as a church is we pointed a focus for the entire uh Summer, So June, July, and August, we're doing specific things. You've kind of seen a lot of this online. Uh, one of them is Janelle and I are doing something every single month, uh, which we're excited about, called Thrive Sundays. We're also having some of our teams speak. Uh, Pastor, John and ha- Pastor John and Haley last week brought the word. Chris and Kayla the week before that. And we're spreading the table like a buffet because I want our church in this summer to see uh, some of the, the gifting that's in this house. Uh, for, for many of you who've been part of this house for a long time, you understand guest speakers come in all the time, and, and as friends, they bring the word, they have churches, but this house is filled with many ministers as well, and I think it's good that you see them and see what's on them, uh, because as we move forward into this next season of the church, especially this fall, we're going to be ordaining some new people as pastors in this church. I think that's something to celebrate and shout about. We're going to be ordaining some people. What that actually means is you're going to have more, past, more pastors in this house to help bless your children, lead your life, guide your life, shepherd you, uh, help guide you through the seasons of life. And that's always a good thing. But today, as part of our summer track, we have an incredible guest speaker uh, that is an, a great friend of mine. Uh, his name is Andrew DiMazio. He pastors in Portland, Portland, Oregon, home of the Blazers. And Rose Church is the name of his church. And uh, he and his wife, Julia, have been leading that for a few years. Uh, two kiddos and one on the way. Amen. Another COVID baby coming along the way. And, uh, but he's an amazing man of God. And uh, he, when he gets up here, you're going to notice he's very quiet. He's very shy. Uh, you, you may have to you know, kind of tune your ears to hear him. But just give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going to speak a language you understand. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, his father, Pastor Frank, uh, th- that's my pastor. Uh, well, let me say it that way. My pastor, Frank, that's his father. And uh, Andrew's been here before. He was here a few years ago and just brought an incredible word then. And I want to honor him today. Can you do me a favor and stand up as we honor Pastor Andrew DiMazio bringing the word this morning? Come on, sit down, sit down. You guys feeling good? You happy? Wow. That was like seven people saying yes. The rest of you, I hope you are happy. Do you like who you're sitting next to? 
If you don't, there's open seats if you want to get up and move. Could you imagine if like, somebody like got up and like, started moving over? Like, you know, wow, you really don't like who you're sitting next to. But, man, it's an honor to be here uh, this morning. Uh, as Pastor Daniel said, uh, my wife and I uh, started a church about three and a half years ago uh, in downtown Portland. And uh, 18 months of that three and a half years have been during COVID. So we just, just started going, and uh, God's been really faithful to us. And but I love your church. I love your pastors. And, um, you know, I think, I think obviously pastors have a unique relationship, but pastors who have planted churches have an incredibly unique relationship. And uh, just want to honor Pastor uh, uh, Daniel and Janelle and their entire team, everybody started with them, uh, I think 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Um, what, what you're experiencing takes so much hard work, prayer, blood, sweat, and tears. Um, it takes a lot to plant a church, and so you guys are a part of an amazing church. And uh, if you're newer this morning, and uh, truly, like, maybe your girlfriend checked you, and you thought you were going to, uh, you know, Starbucks, and you came to church this morning, and you're like, this is not a restaurant. You said we're going to get breakfast. So yeah, there's donuts and coffee. This is breakfast. Like, same thing, you know. Uh, maybe your wife made you come this morning. Maybe you're walking by and saw people, and you're like, I'm going to go check this out. I don't know why you're in this room, uh, but if you are new today, and this is kind of a new space and place for you, it's our honor to have you. And if you're still on this journey with Jesus and church and, like, religious spaces and places, and this is a very uncomfortable zone for you, like karaoke was a lot for you this morning, and you're like, I don't know these songs, uh, this is a little much for me, man, it's our honor to have you. We're so glad that you're here. And if you are new today, please stop by Next Steps, fill a card out, get to know someone, meet someone, plan sticking around, come back again uh, next weekend and weekend after that. Just, just get involved. And so it's our honor to have you this morning. And I'm really, really excited to preach. Uh, my clock is going downward, so I'm going to... Uh, get to the Bible this morning. Um, go to, if you have a Bible this morning, go to Luke chapter 5. And once again, if you are newer to, to Christianity, to Jesus, uh, we read this book every single Sunday. It is not a history book. It is not a moral compass. This is a book that we are building our life upon. Uh, the Bible says it is honey into our lips. It is life into our lungs. And so we're going to spend a few moments on this book this morning. And I'm believing uh, that, that Jesus is going to talk to you this morning. If you're, once again, if you're newer to the Bible, um, the really amazing thing about this book is unlike any other book that you read, every time you read this book, the author reads it with you. It's unlike any other book. So as we dive in this morning, obviously I have a mic and I'm speaking, but I'm believing that the true preacher, that the true author is going to speak to you as well this morning as we jump into this amazing story in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read from the NLT translation. I don't know what you have this morning. And everybody always asks, like, what translation should I read? Whatever one you read, okay? I don't care if it's a message. I don't care if it's passion, whatever. Read. Just read, read whatever translation you want. I'm going to read from the NLT this morning. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But Luke chapter 5, really, really amazing story between Jesus and Peter. Verse 1, it says, One day, one day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word. He noticed two empty boats at water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Just got done fishing, they're washing their nets, the morning's over, and their boats are empty, they're washing their nets over by the side. Verse 3, Jesus stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, or Peter, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought other partners, other boats near them. And soon both boats were now filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as, they were, as were the others with them. Verse 10, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus said to Simon or Peter, don't be afraid. Really interesting phrase that Jesus says back to him. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. From now on, you'll be a fisher of men. As soon as they landed back on shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. This morning, our title for our talk this morning, my message this morning is Invasion of Privacy invasion of 
privacy. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, invasion of privacy. Let's jump into Luke 5. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Grace Ave. I thank you for uh, the pastors and the staff and everybody here, God. I pray just your favor and blessing upon the church, upon us this morning as we spend a few moments in this amazing, challenging story about you and this individual named Peter. God, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning, reveal yourself. Let us leave different than we walked in, God. We we open our ears, we open our heart, our eyes to see you more clearly this morning. God, I pray for those that are um, maybe here every single Sunday, and this is normal to them, and then those that are, this is very uncomfortable, this is a very unique space and place for them. I pray to everybody in between that you would reveal yourself to us, God. In your mighty, mighty name I pray. And everybody said... Amen. Well, I know there is, uh, not to divide the room or anything, but I know there are two groups of people in this room. There are extroverts and there are introverts. Where are all my introverts at? My introverts. Some of you like, don't even want to raise your hand. You're so introverted, you don't even want to raise your hand. You're like, I'm not raising my hand. Nobody needs to know that I'm introvert, okay? In other words, on the Christian horoscope, you're an Enneagram 4 or 5 or something, okay? Um, how many extroverts? All my extrovert people. Yeah, here we are. Loud and proud, ladies and gentlemen. She's two hands up. You are a double extrovert, Okay. Uh, I am an extrovert. If you have not figured it out yet, as you notice, your pastor is a liar. I am not quiet. Uh, we will reprimand him later. Um, but I, I'm an extrovert. I love people. When I'm exhausted, I want to see people. When I'm frustrated, I want to see people. After the longest day of work, I want to see people. If you want to punish me, put me in a room by myself with no one, and I will go insane. I will lose my mind. I need to see people. I need to be around people. Like I said, if I'm exhausted, like, I just want to see people. I'm married an introvert. So there's healthy dialogue at our house often. In other words, arguments often at our home about people coming over. And like, we'll come home, people be in our home, sleeping on our couch, eating our food, take a shower upstairs. Like, I give people the key to our home. And like, there's people over all the time, right? Like, Julie's like, why are they over? I'm like, why not? Like, what else are we doing, you know? She's like, being alone. I'm like, why would we want to do that? You know, so I, I'm, just, I'm a massive, massive extrovert. Um, my mom um, is, uh, she's been here with my dad before. Uh, my mom is a gem. Uh, she is from Australia. She still has an Australian accent. She is straight Commonwealth. She is proper. She is Commonwealth. She is, she is Australian. Uh, and my mom, therefore, is the most touchy-feely, kissy-huggy person in the whole wide world. I mean, she'll, the first time you meet her, she'll hug you. Like, even to this day, right? I'm 33 years old, been married for 10 years, have two and a half kids, and uh, a mortgage and bills to pay, okay? Every time, I live about four houses from my mom. To this day, when I leave, she still gets, like, teary-eyed. I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, okay? I'm like, I live down the road from you, okay? I can probably throw a rock and hit your house. Like, I'll see you later. She, I know, but... I just, I'll miss you. And I'm like, what is wrong with you, mom? Like, I'm, I'm a grown man with children. And she's like, kiss me, kiss me goodbye, kiss me goodbye. And I have to kiss her. And now it's like a big joke in the car with my kids. And we get in the car, my kids go, kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. Like my, my two older kids, they're eight and six. And they, they, they think it's so funny. Kiss Nana, kiss her. It's like, it's a whole thing now. But every time I leave, she wants me to kiss her. And to this day, if I ride in a car with my mom, to this day, she'll put her hand on my leg. And just like rub my leg. To this day, she's inappropriate. It's, it's next level, okay? Like she would still rub my hand when she walks by me. She's still like, she wants to interdigitate hold hands, okay, to this day. Like, Andrew, Andrew, hold my hand. I'm like, Mom, this is inappropriate at this point, okay? Hold your grandchildren's hand. They're eight. It's not weird. Hold your daughter's hand, okay? Like just, my mom's a very touchy food person. This is no live story. This is not a preacher's exaggeration. This is real, Okay? I'm 17 years old. I'm a junior in high school. I'm at the mall with my girlfriend that my mom does not know I'm dating. Like most high schoolers, right? It's me, my girlfriend, a group of my friends, okay? We're walking down the mall. I see my mom at the mall. Now, for those of you that are more mature in life, have you, like, you haven't, maybe you forgot what it would like to be 17 years old at a mall with your secret girlfriend and your friends, and you see your mom at a mall? This is cultural suicide, okay? This is ending your high school career, right? It's also the same. Like, I love seeing, like, I'm a pastor in Portland, right? And, like, the big thing in Portland is, like, drinking and food. Like, if you don't like either of those, I don't know why you live in the city of Portland. So it's the best, like, when I'm out at bars and I see people go to my church and they're, like, they're, like, automatically avoid me. Like, I'm their parent in public, you know what I mean? And it's, like, ah, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Andrew. And I'm, like, Hey, man, like, how are you? It's like, I haven't drank too much. I'm like, I didn't even ask. I didn't even say anything. Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's the level. I see my mom in public, okay? And she, 
I, I start getting nervous. I let, I let go of my girlfriend's hand, and then my friends are there, and I, my mom starts walking toward us. And now I start getting the, 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 the heat sweats, right? Like, I'm getting nervous because she's going to kiss me. I know this is going to happen. My mom's going to kiss me in public in front of my girlfriend and my friends at a public space as a 17-year-old in high school. Like, she's going to kiss me. And I don't know what I want to do yet. So I'm getting nervous. We're walking up. My mom approaches, and she kisses me. She hugs me. She's rubbing my face, you know. And then she's like, where are you walking? I'm like, Mom, we're, we're walking this way, Mom. I got to go, got to go, Mom. I'm trying to dismiss my mom. I got to go, got to go. She's like, I'll walk with you. And then it dawns on me. She's going to hold my hand. <laughs> she, she's, she's now kissed me. She's now going to hold my hand in public in front of my friends. And not like hold hand, like hold hands. <laughs> hold my hand. Start getting nervous. Start sweating. We start walking down, and I see it to this day. I see it out of the corner of my eye. Her hand just, just, just slowly coming over, right? The death grip just coming over. Just hold my hand. And now I have a moment in time. I have two seconds, if you will, to decide, will I hold my mother's hand or will I not? In front of my girlfriend, in front of my friends, at a public space, okay? And I have to decide in this little moment, and my mom makes it worse because now she moves her little hand over, skinny little showing hand. As she moves it over, she like looks over at me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what do we do? So I hold my mom's hand because I didn't want to die. So <laughs> I reach over, I hold my mom's hand, and we're holding hands. We are, like, we are swinging hands, like walking down the mall. This is not a lie. I'm walking with my mom, holding her hand. And she, then she makes it one step further. She leans over, and now she's put her hand around me, and she has her head on my shoulder, and we're just walking like this with my mom and my girlfriend and my group of friends down the mall. My mom, if you meet her, she does not know personal space. She does not know public settings. She is socially not aware of things you do and do not do in front of other human beings, okay? Uh, my mom is an evader of privacy. Um, as funny as that story is, and maybe you can relate to your inappropriate mother as well. Um, if she's here, don't nudge her. This is not the time to remind your mom. But uh, maybe you can relate. We read this morning in Luke chapter 5, I would like to venture to say that Jesus did to Peter what my mom did to me. Jesus just flat out invades Peter's life. He doesn't ask for permission. He doesn't really know Peter. The Bible says they've met previously one time before. Um, but Peter is not a follower of Jesus. This is when it happens. This is a story that St. Peter chooses Jesus, right? Like, this is this story. Like, they've met one time previously shortly. Um, and this is, once again, we have to, as Christians, um, one of the worst things you can do as a Christian, by the way, is every time you read the Bible, come as a teacher, not a learner. Um, when you approach the Bible every time as a teacher, you miss things as a learner. Every time you approach this book, you need to come as a learner. Because every time you read a story, different things are revealed. Different things are unveiled to you. And if you come to a story, knowing the story, you miss new things. And we overread these. Like we, I think subconsciously, because this is a couple thousand years ago, these are fake people. A funny story. And something that, this is a real person encountering a real moment. And you have to understand, read the story. Peter is a fisherman. This is his craft. It's his job. It's how he makes bread. This is how, like, this is his money. This is his job in life. In front of his friends. What do we say in verse, chapter 5, verse 1? They're by the Sea of Galilee. In other words, they're at the mall. They're at Peter's life. That's his workspace. That's his friends. There's other fishermen there. There's other people in the sea. This is Jesus invades Peter's life. This morning, as we talk about invasion of privacy, I want to ask you just simply four questions this morning. Then we lay at your feet, lay at your lap that you can consider later in time. But four questions I would like to ask you this morning. Number one is this. Jesus has identified with you, but do you want, do you want to identify with him? Jesus has identified with you. Will you identify with him? Jesus does to Peter what my mom does to him. Jesus is walking by. He sees two boats. Two, the Bible says two, but he chooses one. He steps into Peter's boat, and he says, Peter, push me out a little ways. Peter had a moment in time, just like I did with my mom. Jesus put his hand over, and Peter had the choice to hold his hand back. 
Jesus steps into Peter's boat, his life, his job, his career, his world, his identity, his everything. Jesus chooses Peter. And in a moment, in a split moment, Peter had to say, do I want to choose him? Because you must understand that by this time, Jesus had an identity. He had a, a, um, a narrative about him. He had a reputation. There was talk around Jesus. Some people liked him and a lot of people did not. Mainly religious people because most religious people don't like Jesus. There was a narrative around Jesus. And Peter knew that narrative because towns were small. They're 50, 80, maybe 100,000 people. Towns were small back then. That word would travel very fast. It's not like San Antonio, a couple million people. It's a very small community. Jesus was very popular. People knew who he was. There was a reputation about him. And Peter had to choose in this moment. Okay, this individual that has a reputation, has a narrative about him, has chosen my boat. Do I want to identify with him? And every single one of you, first off this morning, I just want to tell you, Jesus has identified with you. He has chosen you. And by the way, he chose you long before you would ever choose him. Romans 5 says that he died as you were still sinners, yet he chose you. So when Jesus died on that middle cross, he died between the two thieves. Jesus chose you. He identified you. He picked you. He entered your boat. He wants you. He has called you. He has chosen you. Now you have a decision to make. Will you choose him? Will you identify, not just choose, identify with him? Because the minute you let Jesus choose your boat and you choose him back, you are now lumped in with his reputation. You're lumped in with his narrative. You're, you are now with him. And have you noticed, we all do this, friends. We all do this. Do you notice how you treat people when you find out who they're friends with? You do this. Oh, you're friends with them? Wow, I didn't know that you ran with, right? Because your circle reveals your identity. We do this all the time to each other. Who you hang out with, we put you, oh, you hang out with them? Wow, you must, I didn't know you. Oh, you were friends. You know, you hang out with them, right? Like, why? Because our friends, who we choose in our life, is a big part of our identity. And the same thing in this narrative. Jesus chose Peter, and Peter in a moment had to decide, will I choose him back? Now, let's go a little deeper this morning because many of us are like, oh, I want to choose Jesus. But listen, a lot of us, we subconsciously, we don't tweet this, we don't say this, we don't write this in our journal. Um, but many of us, we actually subconsciously think it's a bigger deal for us to choose Jesus than it was for him to choose us. We do. We think it actually costs us more than it costed Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You want me to identify with you? I'm a manager of Starbucks, Jesus. I have a reputation. I'm a business owner. I'm a freelancer. I'm an entrepreneur. I, I'm a nurse. I run the ward. I am a business owner. People know my name. I run a restaurant. Jesus. I don't, I, this is how we seriously think. Man, it's going to cost me a lot to like start talking about Jesus. I mean, I'm a, you know, my, my, I make money through Instagram, and if I, if I start posting about Jesus and verses in church, my likes might go down. My, my influence might change a bit. My neighbors might view me differently. I, I just don't know Jesus. Do you, Jesus, do you understand how much it's going to cost me if I start identifying with you, Jesus? Because, friends, there's a narrative around the name still. There's a reputation Many of which is bad around Christians. You're, you're a what? You're a Christian? You go to church every Sunday? Like, oh, I know who you are now. Because there's still to this day a narrative around Jesus. And we actually subconsciously deeply believe it was a bigger deal for us to choose him than for him to choose us. He is in the cosmos. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. I know you have a big couch, but it's not as big as the earth. The earth is his footstool. Jesus, John 1, the word became flesh. So in other words, he was not always in a human form. He was a spirit. He was a, 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 a deity. He was a, he, was a, he was a God without human form. And you must consider this theologically this morning for some of you more super saints. The second person of the Trinity loves you so much, he confines himself to flesh for the rest of eternity that he might know you. Do you understand that? 
That would be like you being a human right now, being like, well, I have freedom and, and, and drink and food and blah, blah, blah. I need to become an ant to reach ants, but I'll remain an ant forever and never get back to what I like being as a human. Times that by a billion on the God of the universe saying, I will confine myself to a fleshly body for eternity that I might identify with these people. Choose them, save them, die for them, redeem them. I will, I will go to the nth degree to become one of them that I might choose them. And we are shocked that he wants us to choose him back. And we actually believe it's a bigger deal and costs us more to choose him than it was for him to choose us. Friend, we must remind ourselves the length he went through to choose you so much that he became you and remains as you. He will be in human form for eternity. You understand that, right? And when, we, when we get home, we can touch him, see him, talk to him, eat with him. He's in human flesh forever. He's not, he didn't go back to spirit when he went back home. He's still human in a human body. He went from that length to choose us, and we're scared to choose him back and what it might cost us? Oh, friend, Jesus has identified with you. Will you identify with him? My second question. This is all intro. We're just going to, we're slowly getting into this, okay? I am my father's son. I have a ways to go <laughs> in this message. Next time my dad's here, be like, the, the better Damasio was here a while back, okay? Just, re, just remind my dad next time he's here. Um, my second question this morning is not only will you identify with him, but how will you position him? How will you position him? Jesus gets in the boat, and then he says this little phrase to Peter, push out a little ways. Push out a little ways from the water. And there's a few verses he says, let's go deeper, but he doesn't start there. He says, push out a little, a little ways from the water. Now, many of you science students or um, people that are very in tune with nature. What happens when you separate yourself from water and speak over water? Your voice becomes amplified. Water amplifies your voice. Do you know what Jesus is saying to Peter? Now that you've identified me, position me in your life in such a way my voice will be magnified to people. Peter, we're not going to go to the deep yet because they won't hear my voice. It's too far. But if we're this close, the back won't hear me. So position me in such a way that everybody from the front to the back can hear my voice. I want, Peter, now that you've identified me, now you've chosen me in your boat, I want my voice to be amplified in your life. Also about water, when you have multiple voices going, what happens? Charlie Brown starts happening, right? Like, womp, womp, because all these voices um, start fighting with each other over the water. Only one voice at a time can be amplified over water. I want to ask you this morning, when it comes to your life and your boat, whose voice is being amplified? Yours or his? Because both of your voices can't be amplified at the same time. It, it muddies the waters. It muddies the voices. It muddies the tone of the voice. Jesus says, Peter, I want you to not only choose me, identify with you. I'm in your boat now. I want you to position me. I want you to push me out just a little ways from the water that my voice might be amplified over the water so that everybody near you can hear me. And friends, once again, this is not in church. This is Peter's job. Remind you. We're on, the, we're on the shore still. Jesus didn't take Peter to the synagogue and say, amplify my voice. It was in Peter's job, Peter's life, Peter's setting, Peter's friends, Peter's world. Guarantee, it's a small world. Everybody knew who Peter was on that shore. And Jesus goes, Peter, in your life, with your friends, your job, your setting, your world, I want my voice to be amplified in everything that you do. And this is the call of Christians, by the way, that in everything you do, his voice is amplified. Now, too many pastors have lied to their churches, not here, obviously, other churches down the road, that we have made ministry this. This is a mic, this is a stage, and this is ministry. Christians have been lying to each other, and we have lied to ourselves that what you do as a job is not full-time ministry. 
That because you did not go to Bible college and you have your theological degree and you can put your glasses on and read Greek and Hebrew and you get to preach like I do on a stage, you actually have lied to yourself and think, I wish I could be in ministry one day. And it's funny to me when younger Christians go, I feel called to ministry, as if you weren't before that feeling. And we've lied to ourselves that there is a sector, there's a divide in Christianity that there are sacred jobs and secular jobs. I work a sacred job because I work for the church. I'm a man of the cloth. I work a, it's so funny to me whenever I'm out with people, um, uh, and I guess apparently I don't look like a pastor, which I didn't know what pastors look like, because um, every time I meet someone, like, they don't think I'm a pastor, and they're like, no, you're not, you're not. I'm like, why would I lie to you? Like, why would that be my fake job? I'm a pastor. I'm like, <laughs> funny, I'm not. Why, why would that be my fake job? I'd, I'd say, like, I, I, I play the NBA. That'd be my fake job, okay? Not a pastor, whatever. You look like a pastor. Like, what does a pastor look like? I don't, I don't know. Um, it's so funny. When I'm like, I played basketball in college. I still hoop a lot. And, um, you know, guys are, like, just swearing and doing, doing just crazy stuff on the court. And then when they find out my pastor, like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, for what? They're like, everything I just said to you over the last hour and a half, I am so sorry. Why? Because we think I'm, I work a sacred job. I'm a pastor. But you as a nurse or an architect or a barista or a designer or a freelancer or an entrepreneur or a student, you are in a secular job. We've lied to ourselves. Friend, just a reminder, um, the world is his temple, not just this building. So how you work your job, friend, you are actually working in the temple. How did it start? Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3 in a garden with a gardener. When was the last time we viewed gardening as a sacred job? We don't. We think it's a secular, a secular job. But Adam and Eve knew as long as we are working unto the one that gave us the craft, we are in the temple. And this garden is his temple. And I'm a priest in the garden working unto the keeper of the temple. Tomorrow morning, you are working in the temple. And everything that you do as a job, as long as you know who you're doing it for and why you are doing it, you are working a sacred and a special and a holy job as a priest unto God in the temple. That's what Hebrews said. He does not live in walls made with hands and with mud and clay. He lives in invisible spaces. In other words, he's not confined. This, this building is not the church. You are the church. We can go be in a bar right now. We can go in a cafe. No matter where we go, the church is there. Why? Because we are working for a king as a priest in the temple for whatever you do as a job. It is sacred. It is special. It is holy. The only time it becomes secular is when you think you're doing it for yourself. That's when it becomes secular, when you've forgotten who you work for and what you are doing. It is ministry. Peter, what? He's a fisherman. And Jesus takes over his boat and uses it as a pulpit. In other words, he goes, Peter, welcome to full-time ministry. When's the last time you actually thought, I'm in full-time ministry? Now, don't go put in your bio, I'm a pastor, okay? Like, don't, that's not what I'm saying, but you are in full-time ministry. You have been assigned. God is taking over your boat to turn it into a pulpit. But you have to choose. I've identified them. Now, how do I position him? And by the way, every single one of us in this room, there isn't like a book for this. Like you have to ask the Holy Spirit and Jesus, how do I identify him in my line of work? All of us work in very many different spheres and spaces and, and lanes in this world. And how she identifies with Jesus as a nurse is not how you identify with Jesus as a business owner. It is all different in this room. You have to find out for you and your life and your craft and your skill, how do you position Jesus over the water that his voice might be amplified? Number one, have you identified with Jesus truly? Number two, have you amplified his voice? Have you positioned him? Third thing, we're, we're going to keep getting a little deeper. Third question I want to ask you this morning. Will you obey? Like, what do you mean? Jesus is in the boat. He preaches, does his message, does his whole thing. Then he looks at Peter and says, let's go deeper. Read it. He says, let's go into the deep. Let's go back into the deep waters. They get there, and Jesus says, let down your nets. And Peter goes, master, 
we, <laughs> Jesus, I'm a fisherman, Jesus. You're a carpenter. Let me teach you about fishermen for a little bit, Jesus. Isn't it like the best like when people in other crafts want to talk to you about like your craft, right? Like you're a business owner, but you want to talk to, like, to the design team about design. You're like, sir, you sell used cars. I think it's a little different than nursing, right? No, I want to talk about like my experience at the hospital, right? Like it's hilarious to me how we just give our opinion to other crafts we have no idea about. But Jesus is a fisherman. Sorry, Peter's a fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. When was the last time that carpenters are giving advice to fishermen? He goes, Master, uh, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, we, we did this all night. I'm a professional fisherman, Jesus. I, I, we toiled. We worked all night. But this is his comment. He goes, but at your word, I'll do it again. At your word, I'll do it again. This is often what happens with Christians. When you start identifying with Jesus, he starts taking over. And what he does is he takes you back to the deep and wants to ask, will you obey me? Notice. Notice in this story. You got you to pick up these cues in this story. Peter just got done failing at fishing. And what does Jesus want to do? Take him back to his last place of failure. Do you see how like, painful this could be? Jesus, I, I just did that last night. Uh, didn't work out, Jesus. Yeah, we're going to go back. I don't want to. I worked all night at this. It didn't work, Jesus. And he goes, we're going to go back to the deep and do it again. And that's why, that's why Peter says back. At your word, I will lay down my nets again. I'm going to ask you this morning, what for you individually, what is your again? Different everyone in this room. What is your again? Because Jesus wants to take you back to the deep places of your faith and say, let's do it again. I don't want to do it again. I don't want to believe again. I don't want to give again. I don't want to serve again. Do you know what's amazing about Jesus? There's no second service after this, so I get to go over my time. <laughs> Daniel's not in the room, so he can't tell me to stop. So, <laughs> Do you know what's really amazing about Jesus is how he redeems? Is often Jesus will take the thing that hurt you to heal you. Yeah. See what's interesting about church hurt? Do you know what fixes church hurt? Do you know if we had a church hurt connect group, it'd be the biggest connect group in the entire church? <laughs> it's hilarious to me that people think you're the only person that's ever been hurt by the church. Join the club. It's a big club. And do you know what fixes church hurt? Church. Do you know what fixes the abuse that you experienced serving at your last church? Serving again. Do you know what fixes the stinginess of your money, giving again. Do you, do you realize that the thing that hurt you, Jesus takes it again to redeem you with the very thing? You know, I just failed fishing. We're going to go fish again. I don't want to go fish again. I don't want to believe again. I know. And that's why he says, let's go back to the deep. This is the deep waters of faith as when Jesus takes over your boat takes you back and says we're going to fish again and friend I don't know what fish again for you is but you need to fish again don't know what that means in many spheres of life but you need to fish again and you know what's amazing about Jesus he's so good is that Peter's the same boy it's the same boat it's the same day it's the same lake. It's the same water. It's the same fish in the same sea. Everything in the story is the same between failure and success except one name. And it's the name of Jesus. Everything changes when that name enters the equation. Even though it's the same job, it's a different job. Even though it's the same marriage, it's a different marriage. Even though it's the same friends, they, why? Because Jesus has now entered the story. 
And when he enters the equation, the answer comes out different. It's like, I don't know, I need, I need a new job. No, you don't. You just need Jesus. I need a new marriage. No, you don't. You just need Jesus. I just need a new job. No, you don't. You just need Jesus. It's the same everything in this story except Jesus was in the boat. And yet, everything changes. But it lends into Jesus taking over your boat and going, will you obey me? Do it. He goes, I don't want to, but at your word, I'll do it. It's really, this is when your faith, the, the rubber hits the road, is what do you obey, your emotions or his word? Because that's emotions. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, but at your word. What, what carries more weight, emotion or word? Because there's going to be moments when those two things collide. And you're going to have a decision to make. Lean into me and my emotions and my hurt and my fear or lean into his word. And what's interesting about humans is you can't lean two places at once. You can't. You, you lean one way or the other. And Peter goes, I don't want to do this. Notice, notice, I don't want to do this, but at your word. Isn't it interesting that our life was ruined by a tree and Jesus hung on a tree? Isn't it interesting that Adam took his will in a garden and Jesus submitted his will in a garden? Do you understand that Jesus redeemed everything we lost? Israel lost 40 years in the wilderness and Jesus won 40 days in the wilderness. Like, do you understand everything Jesus did was redeeming everything we screwed up? That's the whole narrative of scripture. Jesus is the great redeemer of everything that we screwed up, he came back to redeem. He goes, I don't, I don't want to do this, but if you want me to, I will. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a very different, difficult place of faith is when you, is when his displeasure overrides your pleasure. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to act this way, but he doesn't want me to and so therefore I don't because his displeasure is more important than my pleasure. I don't want to do this, but at your word, I will do it. And this is what happens with obedience. Obedience gives way to new revelation. What does Peter say? He goes, what? He falls on his knees. And what? I can't, I didn't know you were this person. What? Obedience gives way to new levels of revelation. And you start realizing who Jesus is. And friend, I just want to submit to you and I'm going to end this message. Jesus is better at fishing than you. This, this, is, this is what Peter's saying, by the way. What Jesus is saying to Peter, by the way. I know I'm a carpenter and you're a fisherman. I'm better at this than you. Do what Jesus is saying. I'm better at life than you. I'm better at your job than you. I'm better at the, this human experience than you. By the way, Jesus is a better fisherman than you. And you can interchange and exchange that word, whatever you want, but Jesus is better at than you. And he wants to take over and teach you how to fish again. And this is what happens. We go out to the deep. He obeys. And they catch a ton of fish. My fourth question to you is, are you overflowing? This are overflowing at such a level, their boat begins to sink, their nets are breaking, and what does the Bible say? They call out, we need help! Empty boats come by and receive from their overflow. Do you know what happens when you choose him, identify with him, and obey him, you overflow in such a way empty boats receive from your overflow. This is the result. So now, you're, now you guys that are smart are asking, how do I know if I've chosen him? How do I know that I've positioned him? How do I know I'm obeying? You're overflowing. You're overflowing. And empty boats get to pull up 
and receive from your overflow. Do you know the best way to identify with Jesus, by the way? It's not put John 3.16 in your bio. It's not put the little fish on the back of your truck. Don't do that. It's not hang a cross on your, t- your, your computer at work so people walk by and like, ooh, Christian, you know, like, it's none of those things. Do you know the way that you show and how to identify Jesus? Overflow. If you're a designer, stop putting the cross on everything. That's not the way that you identify with Jesus. The way you identify with Jesus is create better items than anybody else in your firm. And then people start asking you, why do you design the best things we do here? Well, because I'm connected to the greatest designer. What? You, listen to me. You start living a life that begs questions. Whenever, like, our boss leaves the room, we all complain about him but you. Why? Whenever the money comes in, your, your department always gets less. We're always so happy about it. Are you living such a life that begs people to ask you questions why you're overflowing? Now you know Oh, I'm, I, I'm positioning Jesus. Why? Because people are asking me questions. Bro, you treat your wife way different than the rest of us. Why? You, you, what? You're overflowing. And empty boats want to pull up and ask you for some. Because you're overflowing and they're not. And they go, we want some fish. And the Bible says then, what? Both boats begin to overflow. It wasn't just Peter's boat everyone around him begin to overflow. Now, just to give some context here, there might be seasons of life that are not overflowing. And don't be hard on yourself. Like, I'm overflowing right now. I must be disobeying. Maybe not. Not every season and every moment is overflow. There are ebb and flows of faith and seasons of life. But there are things that can overflow in every season, like joy, peace, patience, goodness, selfishness, goodness, nine fruits of the Spirit. Those can overflow in every season because that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. The question for you is, are you overflowing? Because this is the result. If you do the first three, overflow happens. The Bible says they come back and they leave everything to follow Jesus. The question for you this morning is simply, has Jesus invaded your privacy yet? Because he's going to. And some of you metaphorically, my mom's hand is coming across the aisle. And you have a decision to make. Do I want to hold the hand? Do I want to reach back to Jesus? And I'll end here and I'll pray. Because this is, friend, don't, don't get me wrong. This sounds sexy and fun. Oh, it's not that fun at times. Because this is what happens with Jesus. When you actually treat him as Lord, he kind of acts like it. And he often doesn't ask for your opinion. Often, oftentimes there's no conference call. He kind of just does stuff. And this is unfortunately what many Christians want. They want Jesus to join their boat. They don't want him to lead their boat. And friend, when he gets in your boat, he takes over. He becomes captain and you become, you know, skipper. And you know, there's like stupid bumper stickers like, Jesus is my co-pilot. No, he's not. And you're not his co-pilot either. You just sit on the plane, buckle up, and smile. <laughs> this sounds all, I'm trying to like land this plane. This all sounds fun. Like, I want to do this. Just prepare yourself. He's going to take over. And take over everything in your boat. But it's the safest place you'll ever be. Is when you're not in control anymore. And you start experiencing what? Overflow. Can I pray for you? You bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray for you and. If you're here this morning, first and foremost, if you are not a believer, truly I made jokes in the beginning, but like maybe your girlfriend did trick you into coming. Maybe you're walking by and saw people in food and you decided to come hang out. Maybe your wife made you come finally and she's been asking to come for 10 years. I don't know why you're in this room. Maybe you're bored on a Sunday morning and someone posted something and you decided, I don't know why you're in this room. 
But if you are here, you're like, man, first and foremost, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not a believer. This was so overwhelming to me. Karaoke was way too much. People saying hi to me and hugging me, and I'm, I, this, is, this is really overwhelming to me. I'm not a believer. But there's something stirring in my heart right now. There's something, the deep corners of my soul that's stirring, and I know this is for me. I know I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I know what you're, this, this, what you're talking about. Man, I, my boat's been dry for a long time, and I've tried everything to fill it, and I want to give Jesus a chance. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a call. I'm feeling a nudge in my heart, my soul. But this is for me. I think this is what I've been looking for. If that's you this morning, I don't want to, don't want to put you on the spot, uh, embarrass you at all, but I just want to pray for you. Because all says we are all sinners, every one of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way we get home is by Jesus. There's no other name that salvation can come through. No other person, no other name, no other deity, no other path except the name of Jesus. If that's you this morning, I, I want to accept Jesus. Will you just put your hand up and just wave it at me just so I know who I'm praying for? Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Man, that's me. I, I, wanna, I wanna choose Jesus. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus this morning. Anyone else? Just so I know who I'm praying for. Great. Jesus, I pray right now for those hands that are lifted, God, even hearts that are leaning into you. God, we, we admit, we, we, God, we know we're not perfect. We know we are sinners. We know we have fallen short. We know we are um, not where we should be or what we want to be, God. Maybe we've tried so many other things to get home, but we, we surrender our lives to you this morning, God. You are our Savior. We confess our sin. We confess our error. We confess our wrong, and we know and we believe and confess with our mouth this morning that you are our Savior, that you are the only way back home, that you are the, 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 the way that our, our sin is covered, our shame is, is fixed, God. You are our salvation. There's no other name that salvation might come by, God. We, we believe in you. We surrender our life. We accept you into our heart. We ask you to take over. We ask you to lead our lives, God. We believe in you this morning, Jesus. In your mighty, mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together and celebrate all those that made that decision? Awesome. Amazing. Why don't you stay? I think we're standing to our feet as we end this morning. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.